Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Moniak. And today, we're going to keep things quiet. Not really. But today, we're going to be talking about libraries and how to add them to your world and some cool things that you can put in them. And of course, if you are a Patreon supporter, head over and you will find some new Patreon content created by none other than DM Chris. But with that out of the way, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. So today for the meat, we are talking about libraries and how to use those in your world. But first, before we get there, we want to introduce our guest, Justice, and we had a long conversation about this, and he still will not tell me what his last name is, so I'm just going to guess. Uh, Armand, am I right? Oh, gosh, come on. <laughs> maybe. This is what we get for doing secret questions. Neil, do we want to start with the secret question first, just to hear his theory then about it, see if it's right? Yes, but but I would I would toss out, as his Twitter bio says, he is a goblin worker for Beetle and Grimm's as well as a best-selling DMs Guild author, which I feel like is going to help with the topic at hand. But I'll jump right ahead. Okay, what is your theory about the surprise question? My theory is that this question comes from Paul Shapira. Is that correct? <laughs> no, but that would have been a great idea. Okay, I he's I I heard he might be he might be coming on your show, and I thought. That sounds like Paul to throw a, a curveball at me. So maybe mm. I can throw a curveball for Paul. You know what? And I really, okay, so I will give you, I will give you the half credit where Paul had to reschedule. Had Paul originally been on before you, I 100% believe that it would have been true, which only means that you are now afforded the opportunity to do that to him. Mm, I like yes, it. I thank like you. It. Okay. Thank you. So I like that. So we will find out that later. But what I went and found, because it says DM's Guild bestselling author, I decided what is your writing kryptonite is our surprise question. Mm, that's good. My writing kryptonite. The thing that when you get it near me, I can no longer write. Yes. Let's see. Let's see. Mm, like, like a topic that I can't write about. Yeah. Like, is it like traps is it encounters is it narrative is it stat blocks like what are, what's the thing mm. that trips you up the most when it comes to writing let's see let's see let me th let me think about the different parts of a, of, a, of your classic ttrpg book i like items i like the monsters i like the i think i think for me <laughs> it's it's writing on a, in a crunch <laughs> mm. time is my kryptonite you know that scene in SpongeBob where he has to write the the essay of what not to do at a stoplight, and he's like, yes. "And some of these, and and then it's like just the." That's how it is for me someday. But it's really it's really intricate. It's a really yes, intricate yes. the though. Yes, yes, it's yes. A, and it's very good. And I will give you a very good sentence, but yeah, sometimes that's how it is. I I'd say it's probably it's probably the longer narrative prose tends to get me sometimes if you ask me to write about something and just one thing for a long time and i don't get to put any random tables or break it up by section or something that's that's a little difficult for me because i'm like i've said all i need to say correct mm -hmm. 
I don't want to give you more to read. <laughs> don't worry about the fluff. You won't get it from Justice. He's going <laughs> to no, short, sweet, and to the point. <laughs> <laughs> it's just broken up with tables and different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. So, Justice, love that you're on the show. Excited about what we're going to talk about today because uh, it's a huge uh thing that I have incorporated into my world as well. But tell us a little bit about yourself other than what your Twitter bio says about you. Maybe a little bit about that, but but tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, so I'm an open book uh, and I also like puns. Well done. So yeah, so uh, you'll, you'll see my bio. You see that I'm a game designer. I'm in Central Texas. I am a clinic manager by day. I manage a surgical practice. Uh, I work for Beetle and Grimm's and I do kind of my own thing on the side with DMs Guild and some different supplements. I have written for um, Wizards of the Coast for their uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons Adventures League. I have written for MCDM um, for their upcoming Arcadia magazine. And I love Halloween and all things spooky. And uh, I have Eight Transformers behind me that make up Devastator for Revenge of the Fallen. Not a great movie, but I did like the way Devastator looked. So I'm excited to put those together. It's taken me about three years to collect them. So Always something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's me. I like uh, games, as you can maybe guess. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So our follow-up question is, is there anything that you're currently working on and we always have to put this out there that you can talk about the joy mm -hmm. of NDAs um, that you want our listeners to know about. So I'm currently um, working on some uh, rules for fences, uh, not fences like Tom Sawyer painting, you know, <laughs> uh, but fences like, yeah, what do you got? Let's see what the street value is, you know. Um, so I, I, I think that's something that's not really on the guild that much that I can tell of. So I'm writing a little short supplement um, for fences and uh, what to do when your character wants to pawn off some loot that they got from the noble's house. And uh, mm. uh, if you've read our Darkhold supplement, there's a little section uh, that uh, Sadie Lowry uh, wrote on Thieves' Cant uh, where she has a bunch of different phrases that you can say at the table. Um, to speak in code. Um, and I kind of want to continue that trend in this one um, with the fence saying something like, oh, this is a popular item might mean something like, yeah, this one's really hot. It's going to be a high discount or something like that. That's awesome. I've read that whole thing and I loved the all of it. So thank I'm you. Super thank excited you. Yeah. To see that added. Yeah, I love that idea. And I will probably pick that up because like if there's one thing in the fantasy world that doesn't happen often enough, it's that yeah like it's often like we get an item we sell it that's the end of the story you know yeah but oh man that sounds like I, so much fun i want to put some uh some like sample fences of different kinds um so there's this grandma in Baldur's gate that i made up called madam wheatwood and she like specializes in exotic mounts um so she has like manticores and stuff and i think it'd be cool to give each one of them a specialty so you can like get something cool there that'd be sweet um, love yeah. it and maybe they have a book that they've stolen from a library. Oh, for certain. That's mm. a segue. Look at me go. Mm. So as we good. mentioned at the, at the top, it was, all, it was half. It was okay. But <laughs> as we mentioned at the top, we're going to be talking all about libraries because I think it's, a, first off, it's just so much fun. Before we start, I, Justice, I'll throw it to you. Can you tell me maybe this this thing that you wrote that might be on the DMs Guild might have sold a whole bunch um, mm. that might have to do with the library? 
Man, nothing is coming to mind. Uh, okay, cool. Um, so no, no. <laughs> it's uh, Elminster's Candlekeep Companion. Uh, it was a supplement that I co-led with Anthony Joyce. Consultants on this project include uh, M.T. Black uh, and Ed Greenwood, the creator of the Forgotten Realm. Who are uh, those people? Come yeah, on, down. yeah, for real. Yeah, so it it goes all into Candlekeep and this you know this giant repository of lore in the Forgotten Realms and. For as cool of a place as it is, it's actually not super documented in D&D history. The most you can usually find on it is actually in like first and second edition a little bit. And uh, the Candlekeep Forum in 2004 uh, has like a, a, a thing, a dedication written to Ed by about it. Um, so yeah, libraries using them, library themed spells, library themed monsters, <laughs> uh, all kinds of good stuff. That's awesome. So I guess the the first thing that comes to my mind, like truthfully, before the campaign that I'm in now, I never thought about using libraries. Like they were just never a thing that I thought because you run into people all the time and people give you lore, right? And this, that, and the other yeah. thing. But like libraries are legitimately this place that everybody has gone to for all of history to get all sorts of information, right? That we just don't think about in a fantasy world. So yeah. Justice, why would we introduce libraries into our world? So I think, uh, you know, one, because knowledge is power. Two, I mean, uh, there are so many awesome ancient books in, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and in fantasy. I mean, two of the artifacts uh, in the Dungeon Master's Guide are books. The Book of Exalted Deeds and the Book of Vile Darkness. There are, There's the Manual of Bodily, uh, bodily Health. Um, all of these books I mean, when you think about how much impact um, knowledge can have in the realms, the idea that there are these powerful devils and demons who, if you know what their true name is, you can bring them to their knees without mm. ever having to draw a sword or cast a spell, um, such that they protect these secrets. They don't tell them. But if you could find somewhere that it's written, you instantly have something over them. Uh, so, and I mean, knowledge can. I mean, the MacGuffins and, and uh, changing the tide of war, finding secret locations of things. At some point, a character is going to want to research something. Um, they're going to want to say, hey, uh, you just said that there was a bookshelf here. I want to draw a random book. And that's when you start randomly typing random book generator or something like that. And you want to find something meaningful for that player. And uh, they want a book uh, because it, it adds so much depth to your world to have an author's name and a title and it's yeah they're great and lots of people have books i have a bunch of books behind me he yeah. has books behind him most of them are dungeons and dragons <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i think that's the interesting part of a fantasy world right like we take for granted how easy it is for us to get a book through kindle or through yeah. you know our own local libraries but like in my mind, like the libraries you're talking about are not even like libraries that we think about today. Yeah, where it's like, we just go out and check a fiction book out and read it just for fun, right? Like the libraries that you're almost talking about are like ones that you legitimately go to when you don't have anywhere else to go. Like if a path runs dry for a specific mm -hmm. piece of lore that you're looking for, yeah. but somebody gives you a library to go to and says, there might be an ancient text there that you can go and find that might have more information about this. Like there's a ton of mites in there, you yeah. know, but it could lead to 
man, I mean, anything that you could read in a library could lead you down a rabbit hole, right? Like you're looking for, you know, maybe the, maybe the past to, you know, the shadow fell has been lost forever, you know, and you don't mm-hmm. know how to get to the shadow fell, but you find tons and tons of information about how to get to the Feywild, you know? Yeah. And that's a whole different thing that you go into. Cause maybe then you can, didn't think about doing that, but because you read something, it now leads you off in a different direction in a campaign that could be so much fun. You know, it's a good way to delay too, as a dungeon master, you know, somebody says, Hey, um, and they're, you know, they're not a horizon Walker Ranger, but they're like, where's <laughs> the nearest planar portal. And you're like, well, that's not something you can ask your average, you know, street commoner, or it's not even something a noble would necessarily know. Um, that's something that you're going to have to go somewhere that they have chronicled knowledge in abundance and you're going to have to read about it uh, or you're going to have to find somebody really highbrow and you're going to have to talk to them. And if you don't know who they are, you're going to have to find their name somehow. And whether that's carousing in a big city or just stopping by a, a wizard's tower and saying, hey, I need your contact list. And they point over to this, you know, like honeycomb of scrolls and they say, there's everybody I know, you know, you're welcome to hang out for the day or something. Like, I mean, you can delay those things as a dungeon master. Uh, a player asks you a hard question that you know, wow, this is going to take some writing to give you an answer. Because if I improvise this, I'm going to set a weird uh, precedent for the um, sessions going forward. Or you'll just create something you don't like. Like, yeah, you'll just yeah. make something up that's like, oh, that was dumb. <laughs> and I didn't, like, I wished I wouldn't have said that. Or and you have I'm to wreck on something this. and now I'm stuck with it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, library is a good way to, to delay that. Yeah, why don't you go check the library the next time you have downtime? And they're like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. And they yeah. add it to their to-do list. Well, it makes sense. Like, why would the commoner know these things? Because it because you have to think about from that perspective, like, I know what I'm connected to. So there's a certain amount of knowledge that I'm connected to. We all know that through phones and our thumbs. Like, I'm connected to all the information I need, but, like, people in the like a DD society like i'm connected to the five people that i live with and sometimes the 25 people i see after that doing the five things i do in a day and if you want to ask me about those i will tell you everything you need to know yeah. about farming or raising cattle but after that i do not well i mean hopefully i don't know where the closest a planar portal is like i've got a lot of extra problems if i do but the idea that you only can have like the information that that person is connected to and the best they could give you is oh if you ask the old sage in town and that person could say oh yeah the nearest library is over here yeah yeah for sure well i think i think about too like i was just watching a video i can't remember who it was by but they were talking about just travel throughout the world and like many people commoners don't go out of their city because they'll probably end up dying right like yeah. that's the that's the thing about like D and D is like you go out into the wilderness, it should be scary. And so you, I think about anybody that has to go to a library, especially if you like start in a town, there's this ideology and this worldview that these players may have only ever known because they grew up in this world. And libraries should be places where like your players are thrown for an existential crisis when they Uh come across stuff. That's just like, the world is so much bigger than what I thought. And mom and dad taught me about all these scary places that maybe aren't all that scary, or there are places yeah. that I didn't even know about that I should have been afraid of, or the way that we lived life was very closed off. Not that they were wrong because they had no way to know any different, but like you go home and home just isn't the same again, you know, because you ended up at a library that then expanded your mind in some way. 
Yeah. And libraries, like the more and the better knowledge that they have access to, the more of a target they become. I mean, like Candlekeep, for example, it's like a pilgrimage site for Lord Seekers. You have to bring a book that they don't already have. And, you know, while they might admit you for something off the off the rails, you know, if, if you look at like the intro to Candlekeep on the their website that Ed wrote in 2004, it's like, they're not going to take your tea stained you know, writings that you scribble on there on your way in, they're going to say, you just wrote this and there's nothing of value here. I'm sorry. Like you can't come in, but there's a story in there of this person bringing these, you know, things he spent his life savings on. He brings these books. He's like, will you take these? They're like, I'm sorry. We already have like five of these and yours aren't in better condition. So we can't take them. And he holds up like this moldy manuscript and is like, "Uh, what about this? And it turns out that it's code for something else. It's like a a book that some ancient mage has like written in the margins and written in code and it's super valuable. And uh, I mean, there's people always trying to attack Candlekeep to get in, to find secrets on other people because they know like, if I need to know the way to, to destroy that spell that's stopping me from, you know, taking over this town, I'm going to find the answer there. So why not attack the library? So I mean, the library should be the best defended place. I think, yeah, what you're talking about is the exact reason why civilizations in the ancient world, like you think about the great library in Alexandria, why it was burned to the ground. Like you destroy civilizations when you destroy their knowledge like that, right? And people have strong opinions on knowledge too. People who, people want to destroy knowledge. um, And those are like, those are like true villains in a way, are people Mm -hmm. who destroy knowledge that's not harmful. Well, I also like the idea of like that is needs to be kind of one of the first things you determine about the library that you're establishing for your players is what level is that at? Mm-hmm. Because then it kind of all expands out from there because I mean, even still, is it this small library with very mundane things? But it in that is that it's security that yeah. it has one of the greatest secrets that the world has ever known because it's basically hiding in plain sight. Mm-hmm. But then like, okay, but then it's this medium sized one. We have checks and balances. Only certain people can come in uh, and then it's, or it's candle keep. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you just bring that moldy book. You don't know. It might be what they need. Yeah. And, and you got to think too, that in a world, most fantasy settings, um, they're pretty devoid of tech. Um, and while there are spells and stuff, you got to understand the average person doesn't have access to something like a printing press. So the books they have, they might be really limited, but they could be really special. Um, you might have a book that somebody copied um, and then added their own flair to, and that's the only copy of that book in existence. And it might be a local book, but it's special for that reason. It talks about that town and it's, it's got power in and of itself in a, in a different way. It doesn't have to be a magical book. It's, it's just one of a kind. And that's pretty cool. They might let the characters only read it while they're standing there. Somebody might watch them um, because they work very hard to avoid that book getting moldy, wet, whatever. And they might say, okay, well, you can sit at this table. I'm going to sit over here. But when you're done with the book, you know, I'm going to need it back. And no, you can't bring your spell casting stuff in here. No, you can't bring your swords. You have to leave it outside because there's, this is the most valuable stuff I own. Yeah, I'll say what I was going to say for the homework section. There's so many things I could add in about that sort of element that I'll, I'll save. Books are so exciting. It's something that you wouldn't expect to get excited about when writing. But when we reached the section where we got to just write 50 books for that D100 table, it was like, 
write something random that's fun. One of the two of the coolest books that my players have resonated with in our game is, and they were both found on Reddit or something. One was a book of an a baker, an elf baker that killed like an invading army before they ever got there because they like baked a bunch of cookies and poisoned them all and like purposely got captured or something. And so all these people ate these cookies and this person was like, it was like a book of limericks about them. Um, And the other one was a book that they found in Storm King's Thunder in a library section that was, uh, it says, help, I'm trapped in a book. Uh, I've been polymorphed (laughs) into a book or something. And they cast dispel magic on it. And the book turned into a dwarf and was like, I've been in that book for 300 years. What's happened? Where's What's life like? Where am I? And they're like, you are a hundred miles underneath the sea. And they're like, how did I get here? And they're like, I don't know. You were a book. We just, <laughs> we just followed the directions. Well, and you got to imagine what sort of craziness that person now has pushed on them of like, is anybody that I care about alive still? Yeah. Yeah. So super cool. Or do they, do they in a way become a book in and of themselves of information from a civilization long ago that like they now need all of this information on from this capital city of secret tunnels that are no longer used but are still in existence you know like there's so many fun elements that you could do with that it's like captain america except instead of getting frozen you got turned into a book (laughs) there you go which that's another another thing and thank you both for reminding me with those with those tales that you've you've woven is what does your library look like look like because it doesn't have to be books yeah, because I mean, the humorous, exaggerated version that I think in my head is heads from Futurama. Like, is that what your library looks like? Can you basically have this resource that you can go and talk to people from different ages and times and life and different planes, possibly? So what what you make that library look like is anything. Yeah, that's a super cool point. I think in Storm King's Thunder, there's actually a library of like scrolls that are actually rocks that with runes in them. And that was something that was so interesting to me. Um, when I wrote uh, Devil's Advocate, I played with that a little bit in the forms that a contract could take. Because a contract doesn't have to be written on, you know, parchment that the devil summons. It could be literally like stained glass windows in a church on a demi plane or it could be written on the bark of a tree that grows when the devil appears or something. And you can do that in your libraries. Uh, like you said, like heads, talking heads is super cool way to preserve knowledge. Um, makes me want to put one in my game right now. I was like, hmm, maybe that'll work. Yeah. I mean, I think about like, I mean, Harry Potter has like two different ways that you could do a library with, right? You have the prophecy records in the Ministry of Magic, which are these mm. orbs that you like have all these prophecies in. I mean, it's just layers and layers and rows and rows stacked on top of each other of just these orbs and then you have the panseer i think it's the panseer right in in uh dumbledore's office where they put the memories into the into the liquid basin Mm. right and then you like look at it that way so like those like the rick and morty uh helmet thing morty's mind blowers i watched that episode just last night yes Yeah. yeah so like there's those sorts of ways that like library you could have multiple different types of libraries books prophecy orbs panseers talking hit like there's no shortage of ways that you could pass memories on or important information on i gotta write this one twitter post later other. that's so good <laughs> yeah. there you go okay so if if we can all placate me i have a wonderful idea yes let's play we should definitely <laughs> roll 3d 100s and talk about three of the books on this list okay 
I don't, I don't have it up, but you can, uh, I will roll my three D 100 or my, okay. my D 100. You'll have to tell me what the book is done. I'm staring at it right now. So Anthony Joyce, my co-lead on this, I've written with him on a lot of supplements. He wrote a lot of these books that are on here. And a couple of them are actually DM skilled supplements that we've kind of broken the fourth wall with. You rolled a 100 Neil. I did. How roll. lucky. Oh, wait, is I that? can tell you what book that is. That's the, okay. uh, that's the one about flan, right? It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. I know this because my player rolled it when they were in Candlekeep. The Book of the Silver Flawn. It's got dark spells and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is super cool. So yeah, The Book of the Silver Flawn, a stack of papyrus pages sewn into a black leather binding. This workbook of the much-feared archmage Asmaic, Asmaic? close enough, um, Armand, uh, contains research notes, memoirs, and a number of spell variants found nowhere else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's super cool. I love that book because it's like, if you want to test a third-party spell in your game and you have them find a spell book by somebody like this, who's like a famous wizard or a secret you know, lich or something that left a copy of a book, you can put whatever you want in that book and have them study it and, you know, make them have them make an intelligence check after, you know, a long rest or something. Um, Then you can take that spell and it should probably be dark if it's going to be this wizard and you can give it to them. And uh, uh, I'm excited because the player that found this is an artificer and no doubt they will find some, uh, some sort of dark magic. And the question is, are they going to take it? I think they probably will because they've made some, questionable choices up to this point in the campaign anyway and you dangle that out in front of a character i mean yes come on characters are easy to dangle things in front of let's be real yeah chris what did you get i rolled a 66 okay you have found the kim b leon this magnificent tome has 66 pages made of burnished electrum and a cover of polished abalone shell edged with gold the original author is unknown, though thought to be connected with the Mad Mage. It contains dozens of rare spells, some otherwise unknown in Faerun. See, there you go. We rolled like two of them in a row. That one, to me, the the format of the book, I think, is interesting, too. Yeah. Um, because that almost seems like the reverse of the one that you've gotten. Um, because the first one is like a leather book. It says that the mage is kind of bad. Um, and this one, while it says the Mad Mage... You know, like Hal Aster was sort of good-ish at one point, I guess neutral. But the fact that it's like on Electrum, like the pages are like metal, it almost reminds me of like a holy book. Like if an yeah. angel were to deliver something, it would probably be on like metal plates. And that's an expensive book just in materials in and of itself. Yeah. Makes me think it could hold a more powerful spell too. Um, that like you need to bring that page with you when you cast it. Maybe if you put a spell in there and you describe a wizard trying to copy it into their spell book, they're like a piece of their book just goes up in flames or something. And they realize, oh my gosh, I need to get a better spell book. Well, and it makes me, it makes me think twofold of like being able to put stronger magic into it, but then it being able to protect that magic better. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like I always get, well, okay. So I may have had one player that had a lot of potions and things and then just go down in a fiery mess and like never like obtained anything they had ever again. Um, And I was like, I don't know why you carried all those explosive potions. I really didn't know, have any other recourse, but to blow you up. Like this is not my fault. (laughs) You made Um, the choice easy. Yeah. But the (laughs) idea that like, I feel like that book would just survive. 
Yeah, it's it's a spell book that lasts the ten, the the uh, test of time, and and I think it's interesting. You know, you think about spell books being magically preserved and stuff, but I don't think there's any inherent magic protecting a spell book. The spells are magical, but unless you cast some sort of like a gentle repose type spell on a book, it it's probably just as vulnerable to damage as any other book. Oh, that just made a gross idea. I mean, the idea that I just continually use gentle repose because that's what my book's made out of. Yeah, there is a fleshbound book in the magic items. Well, our, the Grimlore's Grimoire um, is a book that uh, is an actual DM skilled supplement that, ooh, I'm forgetting the creator's name, Trevor Armstrong and Bob Gravenstein, they helped do that supplement and do the art for it. And uh, yeah. It's a fleshbound book. <laughs> there, so side side note, there's a there's a documentary out right now called The Bookkeepers or The Booksellers. I think it's on Hulu. It's all about like the fine book trade in Manhattan. It's huh. fascinating. And there's a guy in there that's like, there's a guy in there that's like, yeah, I've touched books that have been bound in human flesh or in human wow. skin. I was like, super weird. Like that would be so bizarre. I hope that my flesh is used to bound a, a bind a book <laughs> one day. I think that yeah. should count as donating your body to science as you become mm-hmm. a necromancer's book one day, because then I hope it has my voice and I'm like super polite. So they would open and they'd be like, this is an evil tome. I'd be like, Hey there. <laughs> I am I justice and I won't tell you my last name, how to pronounce it. <laughs> it's right. my true name. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you. But I can tell you about these spells. <laughs> okay, Justice, what, what did you roll? I got 53. Uh, Amarun's Almanac, The Underdark. Mm. A dark brown leather-bound book written by uh, Amarun Whitewave detailing locations in the Underdarks. In <laughs> Underdarks, there might be two. There's only one here. The book <laughs> contains all the lore found in the locations section of Amarun's... Oh, that's... Yeah. So this That's is awesome. uh, this is an actual DM's Guild supplement uh, written by Steve Fiddler and his team. Uh, Ashley Ashley May um, she wrote all of the um, uh, sections where Amarun is is talking in the first person, uh, and those are a collection of books on each biome in the Forgotten Realms to which Ed Greenwood consulted and later helped write uh, as those went on. I think Underdark was their second or third one. Um, so if you're doing a adventure in one biome they're really great resources they have uh they have like ranger and druids for each biome and what's really cool is they have some new spells that use an environment component so like you have to be in that environment to cast that spell but i think it's more potent when you are i got distracted because yes it is the second and it looks like there are six already out and seven and eight are on their way yeah very cool projects okay this table has deeply distracted me, um, but we've <laughs> talked about it a little bit, but I did want to throw out, are there other specific times that any of us have used libraries in our games and like, how has that gone? I will say that part of the reason I wrote this book is because when our party reached 17th level, I told them they could not have their 17th level abilities unless they justified it through like a greater role play. So the monk went to basically find a uh, like someone to study under who was an absolute master of different skills, but the bard went to Candlekeep because he wanted to learn the spell Power Word Heal, and so he wanted to go and study under 
of the monks of Candlekeep. And at this time, this was a year or two before this book came out. And I will tell you that that scene lasted all of about 10 to 15 minutes at our table. But had it been after the release of this book, it would have been so much more rich. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that Avernus has the Candlekeep section because the session we did a few weeks ago was really special. I think it's like one of their standout ones of the campaign. Follow that up, Chris. <laughs> I haven't done anything like that, but um, I think one of the one of the fun things that like I do, and the players will probably do when they make it to the city that they're going to this time is like I kind of what I do every so often is I I love to use like folk tales, right? Of like thinking of like Grimm's fairy tales, right? Those sorts of those sorts of uh, books. In the the session I had tonight, actually. I told them they have to go into the shadow fell now and told them a little bit of a story about why somebody went in there and lost an item that this necromancer that they were talking with about wants. They don't know a whole lot about this item. They don't know where to go. They don't know this thing, but it's a, it's a folk tale that they were told that was paraphrased to them that they might be able to find more information about if they go to a library to search for such a story that fits those parameters, right? And they might be able to get a little bit more information that might be helpful to them if they decide mm -hmm. to fully go after that sort of adventure hook. So like, that's how I often like to use libraries is like, give a little bit of piece of information, but if they want to go and seek out more information, they might be able to find it in such a place that would make an adventure or a hook or whatever easier for them. Yeah. And could make, you know, connections with them who might be able to send them one place or another to find out more information or to talk to like i i imagine libraries are also places of really well connected people that like you might be able to go who knows a person who knows a person uh that comes to you regularly who has a ton of information so like those are kind mm -hmm. of the two ways that i kind of use to expand on current hooks and to help them get connected with people who they need to get connected with that they might not otherwise be able to you know, it's interesting you mentioned Shadowfell um, because you just reminded me that, spoilers lightly, but there is a very influential piece of uh, written knowledge in Curse of Strahd that should you receive it, the adventure is much more attainable as characters. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so that's, that's typically how I use, I use libraries yeah, super uh, cool. for those sorts of things. Neil, what about you? How do you, if you've used libraries before, how do you typically find yourselves using them? So I think I usually try and go that extra step, maybe as far as writing it down, maybe just trying to think through it more of when they stumble across books in the world. So I don't use the full-blown library as often as much as the personal library. Like they go into the mansion or they're going to the specific room in the dungeon and it's more of like the library. I can never point the right way when I'm on Zoom, but the library basically shelf you can see behind me. And what are they going to find? Because one, we all know they're going to search it. That's just a guarantee. And they're like, what books do I find? And not like even if it's given to me in like a, a pre-written module, it's usually only a title. Sometimes it'll follow up with more information about that book, but I will do that almost like the, like what you would see in the dust jacket or what you would read on the back cover, which that's not like, that's not a common thing with old books, but like having that piece of information in mind or being more descriptive about what they find. Like it's this Electrum pages, it's the abalone shell with the gold trim, but like having all of that prepared for every book, even if it's something mundane, but having it mean more because there's more information about it. 
Yeah, that's super cool. One of my favorite books in this supplement is um, called The Onomancer's Ledger. And it is, it comes in a tube and it is like a molten black scroll with the lighting that like lava forms the writing. And you can, it's like clearly devilish, um, but there's like something like 11 names on it or, or something like that. And you don't know who they belong to, uh, but it could be like the MacGuffin for your game. So good. This, this is my favorite part. And Chris, you've already alluded that you have multiple things that need to be discussed. But as all, I mean, and if there is, I don't know that there's a more apropos topic than libraries to go into the homework section, which just is cool stuff you should go read and watch um, just to learn more about libraries. So I will let you, I will have you wait no longer, Chris. <laughs> what do you have to give for homework? So I think there is no better way to learn about how to incorporate libraries into a fantasy world than people that have already done it, that it's readily available to look at. So a couple of kind of mainstream things I can think of Obviously, go look at Candlekeep stuff. We've talked about that a little There'll bit be a already link now. In the show notes. There'll be a link in the show notes. The other places that I think of off the top of my head are the archives from the King Killer Chronicles, like the ways in which that system works that Patrick Rothfuss has put together is fascinating. You can look that up on the Wikipedia pages or you can go read the books. They're fascinating. They're super good. Book three, maybe sometime soon. Who knows? I don't. Yeah. We've only been waiting forever, but we'll wait forever for it. The other one that I can think of is for people who are fans of Critical Role, the Cobalt Soul, the way that that is all set up in the uh, Exandria world is fascinating. The way that Matt Matt Mercer has fleshed some of that stuff out and you can see it with Beauregard and how she's a expositor now and how, I mean, when we were talking about how deeply kept secrets and how deeply they or how uh, sec- or how secure they are. Like that was immediately where my mind went because every time they go into the Cobalt Soul libraries, it's like, who are you? What are you doing here? Do we have to kill you? <laughs> you know, sort of thing. Uh, and so th- those areas, those three things I think are just go look up the Wikipedia pages on them. It will give you plethoras of information from a macro scale of how libraries might work in your world. So those would those would be my homework pieces to go in and look up. Justice, what homework, amazing homework do you have? I was actually writing down an idea <laughs> when you were saying that. I was like, oh, I should. I was like, that gave me an idea. Uh, uh, so I would say your homework, um, you've had some homework to read. Now your homework is to write. So I would make a D10 or D20 table of random books for use in your game. Have each one have an author, a subject, and then a one line describing the book and what it's about. Um, Have some fun with it. You can take books that exist in real life and put a spin on them. I guarantee you that if your characters, uh, or if not your characters, if your players um, notice what the book is alluding to, they will get a kick out of it. You could have a book about a fisherman who is trying to catch an albino aboleth or something, but it keeps evading them. uh, And your players would recognize that as perhaps an allusion to Moby Dick and they might think that's pretty funny. And that must be one ridiculously strong fisherman if that's what he's going out to do. Yes. Yeah, for real. (laughs) (laughs) And then they might, and then you never know if you're playing Salt Marsh, put that character in there one day and he's got stories to tell. He wrote the book and it's a little bit different when you meet him in person than what he says you've read in the book. Mm, Nice. I love it. 
Neil, what about you? What what homework do you have? I mean, we've we've done read. Oh, I didn't steal we've it. Done, <laughs> we've done write. I'm assuming it should be watch next. Done. Perfect. Nice. You should go and watch the classic The Page Master. What's mm. up? That's please if you haven't watched it it's worth at least one watch but the other one is and obviously this is small and so i can think of a lot of things that are tough because i can't be like oh watch this specific piece but one of the ones that really stands out for me is the library in buffy and like the resources that they find and the thing because like you said like it's in i mean it's in a high school i mean so obviously there's like normal things i would think and then um of course you're on a hell mouth and all the things that come associated with that that's another really big one and i think the idea of why security is so important if you go watch dr strange um from Mm -hmm. one of the marvel movies it's like yeah you probably shouldn't have done those things without like having someone watch you do them because now um you're gonna blow stuff up yeah um so those are my three watches very cool. I wish it wasn't COVID time because then we could encourage people to go to their local library and just take notes. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Or talk to a librarian. That could yeah. be another fun thing. I'm sure. And truthfully, I mean, you might be able to reach out to your local library and have a phone call with your librarian. They might be dying to do something like that right now. Yeah. You never know. Might be worth a shot. Most of the librarians I know are associated with schools and they are actually just tech support now for Chromebooks um, in the time in the time of COVID. Yeah. So our last and most important question, Justice, where can people go to find all of the awesome things you, that you're doing? I assume Twitter, but just hit us with all the information. Yeah, I'll hit you with all the links. Um, so first off, Twitter right now is at Justice underscore Armin thinking about removing the underscore but every time i promote this i say the underscore so i don't want somebody to lose my page in the process my website is www.justicearmin.com i have some blog articles on there there is a variant rule for quiet casting speaking of libraries uh it's not super fleshed out but it's the idea that you could whisper a spell to have a third the range if you want to be a sneaky spellcaster, which is pretty cool in your local library uh, and then I work for Beetle and Grimm's. And uh, if you're listening to this right now, we uh, we have a Kickstarter that started on the 27th um, for the Complete Character Chronicles. Uh, it was funded in 12 minutes. It's super dope for character journals specific to each class for Pathfinder Second Edition, and uh, super awesome. You should check it out. I think that's I think that's good enough. Awesome. Well, again, we just want to thank you for coming on, spending some time talking all about libraries, and we'll definitely have to have you back on some other time. Yeah, thank you so much. We just want to thank Justice again for coming on and spending some time with us talking about libraries, how to add them to the world, and some cool books. And for all the things you heard about, check the show notes. And of course, if you want to get a hold of us and let us know about the libraries in your world, you can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And if you see fit, head over to your podcatcher of choice and leave us a review that we can read out on air. After you're done doing that, head over to Twitter and follow us at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And of course, like us on Facebook where you can catch all of our updates and news and anything like that. And as always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network where you can check out other shows like Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Detentions and Dragons, and more. We just want to thank you for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I'm DM Neil. Good night, good luck, and keep on Dungeon Mastering.
today we are joined by Justice, sorry, Justice, you say your last name, Arman. It's a deep family secret and however you say it is the correct way to say it. I asked this beforehand. Our, our man, <laughs> Arman, Armon. I told it's you. It's up to you. With a wicked roll on oh, your Oh gosh. Arm. But I want to get it right. It's up to you. I, won't, I, I don't want to leave upset. you hanging. Oh gosh. This is what we get from no, doing this secret is the questions. First test. Neil. All right. <laughs> gosh. You encourage the guests to have secrets uh, of their own. <laughs> All right. We'll start that over. <laughs> Goodbye.